Welcome back to After Dark Podcast Coast to Coast Killers. This podcast is in four episodes, I think, now. Last week we didn't have any episodes. I had recently gotten a new puppy and been working with her, but I needed to put out episodes this week. This episode will have a viewer discretion advised. We are going to be talking about the Gypsy Hill Killings. We are going to do this episode a little different than how we typically do episodes. How we do them usually is we go straight into the killings. I want people to understand it's not just about the killings that make, you know, these type of things possible. They're also about who the victims were, getting a connection to the victims, so on and so forth. So today we are going to be talking about the victims. Keep in mind when we talk about serial killers, we know that they have a set amount of known victims. What known victims is, is people that they actually have murdered and we have proof that every murder and every victim was connected to the serial killer. But what people sometimes don't always realize is a serial killer can always, always have more than one known victim or two. They have a set of victims that they disclose on their own, but we have no proof of them killing them, either by the style of killing or we just never found their bodies. Sometimes these serial killers that just like to play mind games, they just claim responsibility and without anything else. So let's talk about the victims and who the victims were in relation to this. First victim, her name is Veronica Cassio. She also goes by Ronnie. The second one is Tatiana Marie Blackwell or Tanya. Blackwell, Louise Baxter, Carol, Lee Booth, and Dennis Lamp. What is... First thing that's actually, I should point out, that's known is these are all women. These are all women that were brunettes and had experienced car trouble. Typically, when the bodies were found, according to the investigation, they were all found in wooded areas. That's as much as I actually really do know that I could find. But it's really, really common for victims of a psychopathic, sociopathic serial killer when they're in a time of hope or need and in this case their car breaks down they're going to do anything to 
get help. You can ask anyone, they don't care. Fortunately for them, they also had that same experience. That experience was these people were in the time of need because they had car troubles and they didn't have anyone else other than serial killer came up to them they automatically and reluctantly said yes but now let's talk about the possible victims we are going to talk about some similarities with the actual victims for example Mitchell Mitchell 19 was last seen alive in Reno in February 1976. Once again, her Volkswagen Beetle broke down at the intersection of Knight Street and Evans Avenue. Witnesses reported seeing someone help push her vehicle into the parking lot across from the UNR Agricultural Building on Evans Street. Later, her body was discovered that evening in a garage on East 9th Street with her hands bound and her throat slashed. Three years later though, Kathy Woods, a mental patient at Louisiana State University Medical Center, confessed to having murdered a woman named Michelle. She was charged and convicted of killing Michelle. 35 years later, she was released from prison in 2015 because DNA evidence had cleared her. The other victim is Idell M. Friedman. Friedman, 21, an employee of an import firm, was found assaulted and stabbed to death with an 8 inch knife in her apartment at 116 Fairmount Street in San Francisco. She was murdered on March 17, 1976, only two days after Gypsy Hill victim Carol Lee Booth was reported missing. She was found nude laying on the kitchen floor of a ransacked apartment and she was found by a co-worker who was concerned when Friedman didn't show up to work. Those are the two known possible victims, obviously as you learn, and we already talked about, each victim is the same scenario. They had car troubles prior to be murdered. So very possible that the serial killer that did the other murders murdered Michelle Mitchell and Idell M. Friedman. Let's look into actual victims and how they were killed. January 8, 1976, the body of 18-year-old Veronica Casquillo was discovered in a creek on the grounds of the Sharp Park Golf Course in Pacifica, I think it's called. She had been stabbed 30 times. A transient was arrested but was released for lack of evidence. Katina was 14 years old when she was reported missing. 
once again from Pacifica to run an errand. I bought it later, identified as hers. It's good. Discovered off Sharp Park Road in the Gipsy Hills section of the city on June 6th. She was found with multiple stab wounds. 17 year old Paula Baxter went missing on Wednesday evening, February 4th, after finishing a play rehearsal from her high school leaving her married car behind on February 6th. Her new body was found in Milbray behind the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Aludman Lane. She had been stabbed four times. She was also sexually assaulted and hit on the head with a piece of concrete. Um, her killing was forensically linked to Cassio. On April 1st, 19-year-old Dennis Lamp of Broadmoor was found dead after a search in the parking lot of the Saramonte Center. She had been stabbed 20 times. Carol Booth, 26, was reported missing by her husband on March 15th and discovered in a shallow grave near Coma Creek on Grand Avenue in South San Francisco on May 6th. Now we see a mixed organized pattern. I know that doesn't make sense, but ultimately it seems like he targeted younger people. They've been stabbed. Not all of them were found with multiple stab wounds or actually sexually assaulted is what I meant to say. So we have a connection, at least. We know that these killings are part of something bigger. We, we know that it wasn't just random killings by multiple people. We know that these victims were killed the same way or close to being the same way had some sort of car reason and were young. Those are the common things that they found with these victims. Obviously they are also very similar to the possible victims that the serial killer had to the fact that cars, young, you know, everything else. Let's look into the investigation and see about any arrest. The reason that these investigations were stalled keeps us in mind there was lack of witnesses and forensic evidence. That can happen in an investigation. You eventually find no, no connection nobody around to even the whole idea of stretching out as far as no forensic evidence yet but hope is still there because March 2014 the FBI established a task force to re-examine the murders 
new DNA evidence cast doubt on the conviction of Kathy Woods, who at the time, I guess, was 64. For Mitchell's murder, the DNA had taken a cigarette butt found at the Mitchell crime scene, matched DNA taken from semen found at related crime scenes in San Mateo, California. This DNA was that of a man and therefore might exonerate Woods. Before we continue, if you like True Crime Podcast, if you want to delve and dive into the craziest, most bizarre facts about serial killings or crimes or such of that nature, tune in every Sunday to the After Dark Podcast because we release a weekly Sunday episode that will tingle your senses and test what you really know about crime. Don't forget to hit that follow button too. Stay tuned for more episodes. Now we are back. On September 8th, 2014, the FBI named Rodney Hellbauer, a person of interest in the Gypsy Hill murders, was was released from prison on September 11th, pending a new trial to take place on July 13th, 2015. In March 2015, her charges were dismissed. On January 22nd, 2015, Hellbauer was charged with the two murders of Paula and Veronica. DNA evidence linked him to both. On November 8, 2017, Leon Melvin Seymour was charged with the murder of Dennis Lamp based on the DNA evidence. September 18, 2018, Hellbauer was convicted of murders of Casco and I mean Casio and Baxter. Finally on October 10th, 2018, Hellbauer was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole for the murders of Casio and Baxter. Kathy Woods is the longest wrong, ever wrongfully imprisoned woman in U.S. history, as records show. 2015, she was released from prison after evidence linked the 1976 murder of Reno College student Michelle to suspected serial killer Rodney Halbauer. Halbauer will most likely face a trial in Nevada for the murder of Michelle Michelle in the near future. The murders of Tanya and Carol are both believed to have been committed by Rodney, but there's not enough evidence to say that he did it. So they cannot charge him for their deaths. When we look at 
killing safeties. There sometimes isn't enough evidence, despite we seeing the possibility of there being evidence. You can't say for certain, though, that Rodney did murder those two people. You can't say that those two people were not murdered by him, but if there's not enough evidence in a courtroom, the judge will say there's not enough evidence. You can't charge him with those two murders. I don't think there is a recent update with how it's presented. Last known article pretty much ever written about Rodney was when he was convicted. I think though he did get a life sentence. I think he did get a life sentence for it. If I remember correctly, it was shortly after. It was either on the 7th of September 2018 or the 18th of September 2018. Let's look back at some of the victims again. I am on a website thus first and they talk about the 10 disturbing facts of Gypsy murders. Um, so the first crime once again was discovered January 8th 1976. On that date the front page of the San Mateo Times newspaper reported that two people had been found murdered in San Mateo County. One of the murder victims was Benito Navarez, a 43-year-old man whom police found stabbed to death inside the Castle Matteo Inn. The newspaper reported that Navarez was unemployed and had been staying at the inn for many months. He was found with a large knife sticking out of his chest. Navarez had been dead for at least three days by the time his body was found. I don't think we heard about that victim. I don't know if it's because people didn't know or not. The other victim, once again, was Veronica, 18-year-old. She was discovered by 16-year-old David Littman. He found her body while walking through a golf course in the town of Pacifica. Arcasio's nude body was found near a creek. I ran close to the golf course. She had been stabbed over 30 times. The San Mateo Times published a front page article saying that a homeless man was arrested in conjunction with her murder but had been released by police. Looking back into um, Paula's case, she was found once again behind the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Milbrae, 
she was 17 again. But it was known that she was stabbed four times and hit her head at least as a piece of concrete. In order to find um, Tatiana's body, it wasn't necessarily that easy. Um, on June 6, 1976, it came to a grisly conclusion. On that day, her corpse was just found off short or Sharp Park Road in the Gypsy Hill area. Like the others, she had been stabbed to death. Tatiana was n known as Tanya to her friends and was last seen traveling to nearby 7-Eleven. John Blackwell, many decades later, would say at a press conference that her death mostly destroyed his parents. The first time, he said, I ever saw my daddy cry was at the funeral. At first, Pacifica, or Pac uh, Pacifica Detectives suspected that Tanya, a freshman at Oshina, or yeah, Oshina High School, might have run away from home. Her body was discovered less than 1.6 kilometers, or and conversion that's one mile away from her home on Heathcliff Drive in Pacifica. They realized that she had been murdered by someone who knew the area very well. Carol, once again, with the details that we don't, with, that we didn't discuss, she was said to frequently walk home via a shortcut that took her between the Cassier Hospital and Mission Road. The shortcut also took Booth close to the El Camino driving range which being a golf course of sorts, like Moose uh, Booth's murder, murder with Cascos. Months after her husband was reported her missing on March 15th, her corpse was found in some brush not far from the shortcut. Ten PM lamp or Dennis Lamp, I should say again, was found dead shortly before 10 p.m. The first person to find her body was the mall security guard, John Ward, who just happened to find, or just happened to be Lamp's boyfriend. And a strange coincidence, her murder occurred less than 300 feet from the earlier D Daly City murder. This one involving Richard E. Post and Ruth Wilhelmsman. The April murder of Dennis Lamp marked the 16th homicide in San Mateo County that year. To continue, um, When we talk about Booth, Carolee Booth, um, when she went missing and was murdered, um, San Francisco resident Adele M. Friedman was also murdered by unknown assailant. 
5 minute 21 worked for a San Francisco import company and she's found stabbed to death inside of her apartment. She was raped and strangled with the lamp cord prior to stabbing with a, an 8 inch knife. Even though her death had never been officially linked with Gifty Hill murders, unlike the other victims, she was murdered in her home. She was not abducted. However, the murder of both or both places, the Gifty Killer in the San Francisco area around the time that Friedman was murdered, she had the common similarity of being sexually assaulted and stabbed multiple times. That's the one thing that did connect her at some point to these murders. Eventually the FBI was involved. There was a task force that was formed in 2014 with the goal of using the latest in DNA and forensic science to finally unmask the Gipsy Hill murder. When the first major breakthrough came through, they focused it upon the, uh, upon Kathy Woods. Specifically, they found that the DNA on a cigarette butt matched the semen evidence taken from the, from the, some of the San Matteo murders. Since the semen samples indicated the male killer, Woods was ruled out as the killer of Mitchell. At the time, Reno police did not want to comply or completely rule out Woods, but some suggested that she had a complex. In San Mateo County in San Francisco, FBI agents revisited eyewitnesses and those who knew the victims to jog their memories. All of this hard work would eventually pay off when the first major and most viable suspect in a Gipsy Hill case was named and arrested. Keep in mind, every investigation will have multiple suspects. Unfortunately, the article that I did read did not talk about all the suspects, but they did originally name Rodney Hellbauer as suspect number one. Obviously, with his DNA, um, it was connected to Mitchell and proving that Mitchell was a victim of the Gipsy Hill murder. Hal Bauer had submitted the DNA sample used in the case against him when he was transferred from a prison in Nevada to the Oregon State Prison in November 2013. He was arrested two years later for the murders of Casio and Baxter. This was not Hellbauer's first time in prison. Back in 1975, one year before the Gipsy Hill murders began, he was paroled from prison in Nevada after he was convicted of raping a female black Jack dealer. Eleven years later, after another criminal conviction, Hellbauer broke out of Nevada prison and committed several violent crimes before he was recaptured. Sometimes these people have no chill.
And I, I guess I, I don't want to say I relate because I don't, because I've never been inside of a prison, I've escaped from a prison. But at the same time, if you don't want to do the crime, if you don't want to go around and murder people, don't, don't do it. And I understand that a lot of these serial killers was not able to stop themselves. It was a fiery rage, I guess. When we talk about suspect number two, Leon Melvin Seymour, he was an ex-con and was charged with one of the Gypsy Hill murders. And that murder was of Dennis, or Dennis, or Dennis, sorry. He was charged with the murder of Dennis Lamp. At the time of the arrest, Seymour was already housed in the Kolinga State Hospital after being convicted of 10 different cases of sexual assault and kidnapping. As of this writing, which I guess was 2018, I don't know when, 19 maybe, I don't know, um, there was no evidence to show at that Seymour had Hellbauer, two men who were known to multiple state law enforcement agencies. Um, so there's no evidence to show that both men knew each other at all. Like Kalbauer, DNA ultimately proved to be Seymour's undoing. Specifically, blood found on Lamp's jacket conclusively proved that Seymour had been in the car with Lamp at the time of a murder. In November 2017, his bail was set at 10 million. This case, which has yet to conclude, has officially removed Lamp's name from the list of Gypsy Hill murders. That is all the time we actually do got today. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did want to stay tuned, go follow me on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or anywhere that you can listen to any podcast. We'll be back Sunday, and see you guys soon.